welcome along to the Rock and Goal podcast, the official podcast of Dumbarton Football Club. Today we've got a shorter than usual end of season podcast, looking back on the final few games of the season and that night at Gallibank. Now we're recording this before what could be the greatest sporting comeback of all time. I was uh, I was sitting in the car coming down the road thinking of anything comparable and I really, really don't think there is anything comparable to coming back from a 6-0 deficit. Uh, if you are listening to this and Dumbarton have won by 7 goals to 6, uh, then you likely won't hear from us in a podcast for a few months because we'll still be getting over it. Today I am joined by Chris McMillan who thankfully wasn't at Galbank on Tuesday night but unfortunately for him has subjected himself to the highlights. Um, Both sets of highlights as well. So I watched uh, the full highlights and then the the sort of film noir style goal cam ones that they put out in, uh, before it. So I did like the kind of dual aspect angle of that. I mean, there was there was bits of the uh, goal cam highlights where it was so dark that you couldn't see a single thing yeah. in it, which I didn't really understand. I don't know if that was a, an artistic creative technique or if it was just a wee bit of an accident. But um, I think there's quite a few Suns fans, myself included, who wished it was that dark and they couldn't have seen what had unfolded in front of their eyes. Because <laughs> you need some Peterhead still fog. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it was funny. I was stood so I was stood behind the goal. Uh, where Ann and were shooting into in the second half and there was a few Suns fans heading for the exit about 10 minutes to go or something there's a guy just going these floodlights they aren't looking up to scratch I'd just call it off ref every time the ref came over <laughs> to the corner which I quite liked um, but yeah like going all Frank Lampard on that transition there but you know seriously it was uh, it was a really really dark evening to be a Suns fan it was um I was driving down the road myself and it was like a, a you know, a lovely day for it, cracking night for it. Thought we've got a pretty much full strength squad available. Um, you always have that excitement before the playoffs, no matter how you've ended the season, you go in on that first game and you think, well, you know, why not? What if, right? Exactly. And it, it's a ground where Suns fans have great memories from winning the league back in 2009. And I don't think on paper there's an awful lot between the squads. I think Annan are stronger going forward. I think Dumbarton are stronger at the back. <laughs> <laughs> Some Ireland fans are going to have a chuckle about that one. Um, you know, on paper, I looked at it and thought, this could be a real... I think I put in Pine Bovel, actually. This could be a really good game. Both teams were looking pretty much at full strength. You've got, you know, probably the, well, the division's best centre-forward, if you will, in Tommy Goss, up against Gregor Buchanan, who was in PFA team the year, so the division's best centre-half against best centre-forward. You've got, for my money, the division's best goalkeeper up against an Ireland team that score goals for fun. Like, it felt like there was quite interesting matchups all over the park. Um... Yeah, in the middle of the park as well. You yeah, know. you've got so Reese Lyon, who he was in the team of the year, who I think is a phenomenal player. I've got, um, or I'm due to be on a, a rival podcast, which I cannot name this week, which has a, a, a top twelve rundown of lower league players. If you're listening, you might have a clue what this is about. I, I may be getting subbed in for Danny Denham, which could Ooh. be one of the greatest moments of my life. <laughs> <laughs> the only time you're getting subbed on for him. <laughs> <laughs> and. Um, I was thinking, like, you know, when you get asked to do these things, you lie in bed and you think about who you're going to have in your top 12. And Reese Lyon was one of the first names that came into my head. And I, like, he's a player that I really enjoy watching play. I think he's so, so dominant in midfield when he's playing well. And I can't understand why Morton deemed him not good enough. Yeah, I was just going to say that as well. Yeah. He's a really good player. So I was going into it thinking this could be a cracking game. And if you're an Annan fan, it was a cracking game. Uh, if you're anyone else, it looked like two sides from different divisions. Mm. I mean, I've seen Suns beaten quite heavily by um, by Rangers. Seen Suns beaten six 0 by Rangers here. Been beaten five one by Hearts here. Like you know, there's been a few heavy defeats to clubs that you would say, although we shared the division with them, we're kind of out of that league. You know, Dumbarton aren't the same level as Rangers, as Hearts, as Hibs, or whoever. I don't think any of them outperformed Dumbarton in the way that Annan did the other night. 
like that was 6 nil. that could have been 8, 9, 10, there were stages where Annan almost took a breather and just toyed with Suns and look there was obviously slight mitigating circumstances with Calvin Orsi's red card after 20 odd minutes, That that's not going to help, when you're 2-0 down and go down to 10 men you're always going to be facing an uphill battle but Your like, most creative player as well yeah, assist leader in the season. You Big, know, biggest threat probably down that that guy right you need on the pitch, and someone who provides an outlet as well when you're under pressure because he'll just run and run with the ball, and yeah, that had an impact. But from I mean, from the first two or three minutes, Annan looked more up for it. They looked like a team. Now I know we we were going to mention it. Suns are on a run of two wins in their last ten games now. Annan looked like a team you would expect to be in the playoffs. Dumbarton looked like a team from the last season's position where they were in the playoffs to survive, not to go up. And they didn't look confident, they didn't look... They didn't, it's harsh to say they didn't look like they wanted to be there. But Annan, like, I, I got a feeling, just from watching Annan in those first five minutes, like those players were really fancying that game. They were really enjoying it. It was a perfect night at home. They're in reasonably decent form, although not an awful lot better form than Dumbarton. They didn't finish the season in scintillating form or anything. But those were players who I looked at and thought, you know, like, if I was around you, if I was in your squad... Like I'd be feeling confident with the way you're knocking the ball about. So you brought up a couple of things that I wanted to uh, get into there, but the last one there just um, that yeah, they're not in particularly sparkling form at the end of the season, you know. And I can maybe see that you know excitement, maybe a squad being galvanised. Maybe have, have you just sneaked into the playoffs in the last day, or you know, and it just maybe feels like a bit more of a bonus, a bit more of a free hit. You know, Annan weren't in that position. They've known for a little while and you know the form tailing off hasn't really been an issue but they it, I don't know again I've only seen the highlights but it, they seem to play like you're backing up with the hunger of that type of team another one you mentioned after a couple of minutes that you noticed now I was going to ask after which goal did you notice but it sounds like you noticed before the first goal yeah, I think Annan came, pl- came close before the first goal, then they got the first goal and I was already going, this could be a long night. Now, to be fair, Suns could should have been level, Finlay Gray hit the post, the ball bounced back out, I think it was Tommy Muir, I think, anyway, it hit an Annan defender's arm, it could have been a penalty, you know, if that goes in, and I know it sounds ridiculous to say it's 6-0, but if that goes in after Annan's really good start, they might think, oh man, like we've dominated this game, we look miles ahead and now it's only 1-0, maybe that could have changed something. But after that first goal went in, I thought, I got flashbacks to the 3-1 game about a month or so ago where it felt like it was just as many as Annan wanted. And like what I would say, although this is obviously a Dumbarton podcast, so we'll focus on things from the Suns' point of view. From an Annan point of view, and it might be something that I'll say to Peter Murphy today and just ask him about, I think that was almost the perfect performance. I, I genuinely don't think you could ask any more from them. They scored six goals. None of them were absolute screamers. They were all just, well few were maybe a bit scrappy, but they were like, from a manager's point of view, they were well-worked goals. They didn't really give them much of a sniff at the back, the one that hit the post. Uh, Russell McLean has a chance one-on-one that was well saved by Greg Fleming. That was about it. I didn't know it was scrappy. It felt like, even just from the highlights, it felt like they were just in Sun's 18-yard box, like, constantly. Yeah. Just, like, bodies and bodies just right in front of the six-yard box, just, like, crowding out, just, like, pressure on the goalkeeper. I, and it's paid off. I think all six goals, maybe, no, actually, with the exception of Dominic Doherty's, which I think was just inside the box, I think all, or five of the six goals came from inside the six-yard box, or certainly no more than the penalty spot, mm. you know, yards out. That's defensively horrendous. 
but you're doing something right if you're working those balls into the area. And they had uh, Willie Gibson down the right was phenomenal. Like I'd messaged him on Twitter and said, <laughs> said I, I can't believe that you're 38. I pointed it out to my dad and, and he was like, oh, is that Willie Gibson? He looks younger now than he did when he played for us. <laughs> and he does. He's, he's got an unbelievable engine. You know the quality he's got being able to cross the ball in. Down the other side, Max Kilsby had a really good game. Chris Johnson had a really good game. Just And it was, this sounds like it's been disrespectful, but it was like really simple. Take on your man, get beyond him, get a quality delivery in. And when you've got Gosh, you've got Aidan Smith kicking about in the middle of the box, you know, that's going to be a recipe for success. And it was just, they did the basics absolutely spot on. And see if I, it, again, it's maybe not the right thing to say, but see if you detach yourself from it being Dumbarton, you take a step back, you think, I've enjoyed watching Annan play. Like, this is, I would love to see us putting in a performance like that. As a fan, you just go, yeah, like that's that's been a superb day out. And at this level, you talk about the deliveries and if the deliveries are that good then you're giving yourself such a good opportunity to find the back of the net like I look at the first one in particular um, I think it's Doherty that puts the ball in it's just a wonderful ball and if you put a ball into that into any top scorer in any division anywhere like it's only that, yeah. but there's a reason that Tommy Goss has 28 I think I think he got credited with Max Kilsby's goal but it definitely was Max Kilsby's goal but I think he, he's got 28 goals to his name like you don't score 28 goals on your own no like you are relying on quality coming in like strikers are only as good as the service they get and you could have the best you know you could put Tommy Goss up front and trying to think of who the lowest scorers in the division are maybe Bonnie Rigg and if he's not getting the quality that he's getting from Giz, uh, Gibson and Kilsby and uh, Johnson and Wallace and Doherty and whoever else like he's not scoring twenty eight goals. No, but he's got those players around him who play to his strengths, and they go. Like, and they, they know what he's good at. Yeah, the confidence works both ways. You know, if uh, if you've got the confidence knowing that if you're in the right place, the right ball is going to come in, and then someone in that situation like Doherty, the ball comes back, and he knows he doesn't even need to look. No, you just know. Right, I need to get a good connection on this. I need to put it into an area. Tommy's going to be there, and you know, chances are he's going to he's going to net, and that's just what happened. And I just wanted to touch on what you said about the um, uh, Murphy and just like the perfect performance so I was looking into it uh, last night until actually quite late but um, it's actually his 250th game in charge today and that 6-0 equals the best result he's had in charge so it literally is pretty much the perfect result for him yeah and I'm so I'm doing today's game for a couple of papers and it's going to be one of those ones where I'm doing post-match for both teams so I'm absolutely going to ask him that because I think, and you know, he'd have been driving. I think he lives in Carlisle, so driving up to the game, he wouldn't have envisaged cycle. No, <laughs> <laughs> he wouldn't have envisaged a six 0 Like no, at no moment in his uh, in his mind, I don't think he can correct me. He can get in touch with me and correct me if he's wrong. And was like, you know, Fraser, I was really confident it was going to be six 0 But I think he'd have been driving up there, going, if we click, if we played the best of our abilities, three 0 for the second leg, bite your hand off for that, and it oh. just it just clicked perfectly for them yeah it was one of those games where probably all of your players are playing uh, a champ man 10 and you know you when that's happening you look at the opposition and it's just there's quite a lot of threes fours fives dotted around maybe even worse everything's red on football manager that's exactly yeah. what i was going for yeah. yeah and you almost like as the opposing manager when you're playing that game get a little bit extra enjoyment out of the absolute battering that you're dishing out by looking yeah, he is having an absolute shocker. Yeah. And then you get asked the question in the press conference and, and it says, 
do you, uh, d- does that person who had such a bad game, does that show that you knew you were doing it? You're like, no, I wasn't focused on that, no. <laughs> and it's always one screen you've been looking at the whole game. But no, from, from a son's point of view, I mean, ugh, there's only so much that you can say about it. And what I find bizarre about the Stumbarton team, so I was in, uh, the day after the, the game, I was in getting my hair cut. I was talking to my barber about it. And he was obviously, um, you know, he was saying, how's it going, how's football wearing, like Howard and Barton getting on and all that kind of stuff. And I said, oh, well, we got beaten 6-0 in the playoffs last night. And I kind of did the big build-up to it. And I said, and we lost 6-0. And he was like, so is it just like you can't defend? And I'm like, well, here's a weird thing. There's This is a club record number I've of clean sheets. I've had sheets. this conversation I've yesterday I've had this conversation well. with so yeah. many people. Club record number of clean sheets. I think only uh, Joe Hart and Dennis Mehmet maybe have more clean sheets than Brett Long this season or something. I, I think it's Mehmet as an individual. As, so the yeah. only one with more clean sheets, yeah. which is incredible. Yet this season, Dumbarton have lost 6-0 twice, 7-0, and 5-1 to an Albion Rovers team who finished bottom of the league. Like Yeah, so here you go. I've got that exactly for you. You've teed me right up. This is the Doherty to Goss interplay, by the <laughs> Third time Long has conceded five or more this season against Annan, Sterling, and Albion Rovers. So they've conceded 43 goals if you include the league and the, and Tuesday night 17 of those in three games which is like nearly 40% it's bizarre and it's something I mean I don't know maybe Stevie Farrell will know the reason maybe players will know the reason like I that's not including the Rangers game I would say Harry Brown was in goal for that I, yeah. I don't think that's fair but that statistic would be far more eye-opening if you included that but just from and I'm not I'm not pointing any fingers at Brett Long here I'm, I'm with you I think yeah. he's had a an outstanding season and especially when you look at the no disrespect to certain play the, you know the quality of goalkeeper since we've been doing this hasn't been particularly high and yep. Brett Long maybe that's made him look a little touch better I also, but it, the statistics the numbers are backing him up so yeah and maybe, I, just not this one like if it, if it wasn't if it wasn't for Brett on Tuesday night that would have been touching double figures I, I genuinely believe that I mean I think no, that's I not the first time you've said that this season no I think they had 12 shots on target and scored 6 so you're looking at him making 6 saves and one of those saves granted ended up in I think it was Benji Lusant's goal the yeah, last one yeah. it kind of claws a header away and then Lusant's there to follow it up it's a really decent stop as well he's getting a, it's one of those ones where I think some people would look at that save in particular and just go that. oh he's got to palm that away but it's just what it's, can you do it's so close like yeah. it's so close he does well to get anything on it he had a couple in the first half I think denied Aidan Smith like a really sort of brave low save and if it hadn't been for Brett that would have been that would have been more but the thing I can't get my head around is you're either a good team defensively or you're not in the same way as you're either a good team offensively or you're not you might have a game where it's blunted so like I would say based statistically this season Annan are a very good team offensively not as good a team defensively now obviously they're still going to get clean sheets and they're still going to have games where they defend well and they're still going to have games where they don't score goals but with Suns it feels so severe like, mm. I can't remember, you know, in all my years of watching football, which makes me sound a lot older than, than I am, but, and, you know, you'll come up against teams where you go, ah, this, team's, this team's pretty good going forward, this team's pretty good defensively. I can't remember one who can rack up clean sheet after clean sheet after clean sheet, but also is equally as likely to just get beaten five or six, by five or six goals. Yeah. I, I don't se- understand. Severe is a really, really good word to describe it, and... Yeah, I completely agree. It's 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 all almost been borderline odd at times this season. It feels like this is a team that can, you know, they've got quite a compact shape. They can like grind team grind results out. They can grind teams down. They can uh, win by the odd goal. Yeah, but then the 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 
the, you know, the Jekyll and Hyde of this team, right? So, the, and, the, and the worst side of it is just complete and utter capitulation and just shipping goals. And yeah, it may be the 6-0, it, like it's it's not really acceptable in any situation for any of the players, I would imagine, or the, or the manager or anyone involved who had to go through that and be on the pitch. But maybe it wouldn't seem as bad if it was this isolated incident. Yeah. Like, see, the Sterling Albion 6 0, I think. So, the Rangers one, kind of irrelevant because it was yeah. like a fringe team there full time and nobody, like, nobody cared. But um, I think some people did. <laughs> some people might have cared. Most people didn't care. They're, they're not listening, they're busy today, so. Yeah, yeah, nobody cared. They didn't even know that game was on because they have their first team to follow, so why would you care how your reserves are getting on? But anyway, that's a, that's a discussion for another podcast. Um, the Strong Albion game, I think at the time everyone panicked and then I think the next three games were followed up with more defensively resolute performances and you go, you know what, it's a blip. It's just, I think someone's lost four or five goals from corners that day. You go, that's fine, just write it off. That was a bad day at the office. And it's something to see, it's something to target from a defensive perspective as well. Yeah, yeah, so that's fine. Write that one off. And then it was it was fine defensively. Suns might have lost a few more games after the turn of the year, but they weren't defensively shipping goals until that Albion Rovers game. But you can maybe maybe write that one off as well and go, look, Albion Rovers scored what, three of the best goals I think we've seen here this season in that game. Like They were absolutely excellent that day. That was the best attacking performance I've seen from a wayside this year. Yeah. Here. Yeah. And they, you know, Charlie Riley and Joe Bevan in particular, I mean, it was a good performance all over the park, but Riley and Bevan were unplayable that day. And you almost go, right, okay, dreadful result, dreadful performance, but they've hit some absolutely... Like screaming goals in that one. So as long as we see a response, we did see a response. Suns had three consecutive clean sheets: Sterling Albion, Bonnie Rigg, and East Fife towards the end of this uh, league season. You go right, that's fine. Things are back where they should be defensively now, and then that happens out of the blue, and that's the bit that must be so difficult. I and mean, it's difficult for me as a fan to understand, and it must be so difficult for Stevie Farrell to work on because you never know when this is coming. Like it's but just you kind of know that it's coming. Yeah, you just sense that. There's always the risk that it's there. I don't know if it's losing an early goal. I don't know if it's that away teams have cottoned on and are targeting a certain area or are targeting a certain thing. I, I certainly don't think Albion Rovers were doing that. No. Uh, that Albion Rovers defeat certainly felt different in comparison to Tuesday night and uh, Sterling, Sterling Albion, the first Sterling Albion game. That just, yeah, that felt different. That They were just, they were ridiculous. They were just... They basically they weren't swinging in crosses and and scoring from multiple set pieces. Yeah. But would you like to guess where? Uh, assuming that Suns don't pull off a miraculous comeback, would you like to guess where I'll be spending next Saturday? Mm, go on. Clifton Hill. Oh really? Because what team would you not like? I I really want to watch Albion Rovers play. I really want to see Joe Bevan and Charlie Riley play, and it will be the last It'll game Riley plays time. for them. Yeah. I I really. You know, this is the official podcast of Dumbarton Football Club, so we we don't have anything nasty to say about our friends at the Spartans. But Dumbarton and Albion Rovers have always been kind of quite closely matched. There's a lot of players, managers who've gone between it. Uh, Sons obviously ground shared at Clifton Hill for a seat or half a season uh, before in here was built. Like I have a massive soft spot for Albion Rovers, and I am again. No, no offense intended at all to any Spartans fans who may be tuning in. I really hope Albion Rovers stay up, and I want to be part of it if they do and I want to see them play I want to see this squad play one last time for them because I think they're a good team and it blows my mind that they finished bottom of the league and I think everyone said that they're bottom of the league for a reason like you're bottom of the league after 36 games because you're the worst team in it but I haven't seen that from 
No, I feel like uh, I saw worse performances from sides in the division above in the last couple of seasons, I must say. Yeah. Uh, I was very surprised that. I, I, you know, the first time I've watched a team uh, week in, week out in League Two, and it, the quality did surprise me, I must say. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the likes of uh, Albion Rovers. You know, I'm basing this off games here, of course. Yeah. Um, Elgin City, both teams that have won here. Uh, you know, just teams down at the bottom of the pyramid and, you know, they, they can play football. And I also think that maybe there's there's a bigger gap between non-league football and league football than I think people realise. And you'll get a lot of people being like, oh, you know, club, I saw somebody describing Albion Rovers as Deadwood on Pine Bovril, which I think is really unfair. This is the first time they finished bottom of the league in a very, very long time. They won the title under Darren Young in League 2 a few seasons ago. Like, Albion Rovers have had really good teams in recent years. And I don't think that's accurate at all. And that press release, you know. Yeah, <laughs> I don't think that that's accurate at all to call them Deadwood and I think Bonnie Rigg found out this year that you know an excellent Lowland League team they were almost an experiment of taking Lowland League the Lowland League champions not changing very much at all putting them into the league and it's 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 not worked and they had to go out and they had to bring in a few players I think they brought in Paddy Martin and goals a huge upgrade on, on the players that they had previously in goals and he's, he's really helped bring them on a wee bit they just brought in a wee bit extra quality like um, Kieran Mitchell on loan from Wraith who was there for the season Bonnie Rigg were really one paced without him and you maybe get away with that at a lower level where if you've got a wee bit of ability that covers the lack of pace at this level it's just a little bit quicker and I think I think <laughs> he says two hours before kickoff in the Albion Rovers against Spartans game but I think Albion Rovers will again prove that there is a big gap between top end of the Lowland League and I would include the West and East of Scotland League in that because West and East of Scotland League probably have greater strength and depth in the Lowland League um, and there is a big gap up to League 2 and it's it's maybe something that's a bit sobering for Dumbarton being back in this league like in the olden days again there's me sounding really old the olden days <laughs> when, when I was a boy when I was growing up there was like an absolutely howling team at the bottom of the league there was a, a dreadfully sterling show for a few years it was a horrendous Elgin City team um, and Berwick Rangers when they went down a few years ago absolutely awful like a, probably one of the worst teams that have played league football in the last 50 years like a, a, an atrocious gang um, and now it doesn't feel like there is that like, you would look at most teams in this league and say there isn't a great deal between Sterling Albion at the top and Albion Rovers at the bottom. Obviously, there's a massive points chasm, but was Albion Rovers beating Sterling Albion as much of a shock as that dreadful Berwick team beating Peterhead when they were kind of up the top end a few years ago? Just no. going to tell you that's other 6-0 victory for uh, Murphy's Annan. Was it against Berwick? It was. Uh, was it, I wonder <laughs> if it was Johnny Harvey's Berwick. He used to tune in for his post-match because they were absolutely explosive. And that was actually, Johnny Harvey, I'm sure, replaced Robbie Horn, who's the Bonnie Rig manager. So I think Robbie Horn will have learnt from that as well. That was the season, not to go on about Albion Rovers, because this podcast does go on about Albion Rovers a fair whack. You're certainly uh, talking me into coming to Clifton Hill, though, I must Well, if you fancy it, you know, yeah. hopefully the weather's like... Uh, well, it's day. actually, uh, you know, provided we don't see the miraculous comeback, uh, I think there was due to be a game on the Tuesday night, in that case, wasn't there? Uh, there would have been, it would have been Tuesday and Friday. Yeah, else, yeah, know. that's right. So it's my mum's birthday on Tuesday, so yeah. <laughs> so I was gonna have to. I was gonna have to say no. We'll, we'll need to do it another night. But <laughs> oh well, at least, at least somebody was thoughtful about it. <laughs> was cheers, thoughtful cheers, about it. cheers, lads. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. That Albion, that Berwick team had the Albion Rovers team. 
that uh, John Brogan started with at the start of the season. We went to see them against Partick Thistle actually, and he just put together this ragtag bunch of like junior players because he didn't think there was a massive step up, and found out very very quickly that there was a massive step up. And um, Kevin Harper had to come in and sort of basically rescued their season. It was a, a miraculous escape, and Berwick got caught out. And that was two really bad teams at the bottom of the league this season. I would say there's not. I think Strong Albion are obviously the best team in the league, like no no doubts about that. But I wouldn't say there was a standout runaway champion like there has been, you know, with Kelty and McQueen's Park and whoever. And I also wouldn't say there was a standout bad team. I think this league, and looking ahead to next season, I expect it to be the same. Like there's not an awful lot between the teams in this league. And without wanting to sound like every manager pre season, like anybody can beat anybody in their day. Yeah, I would agree with that as well. And I've said it already <clears throat> about Sterling Albion. Yes, they're champions, they're deserved champions. Um, there's no denying that whatsoever but yeah they've not been blowing teams away they've just not been losing yeah and that's fine and that's that that's that's worked for them that is eventually how they've they've overturned this massive swing i mean they've they've still yeah not been beaten since 3rd of december i think it was apart from that loss in the last day at Clifton Hill awesome. oh. when when the league was already so up yeah yeah, so it's it, yeah, yeah of stage. course i forgot about that but you look at the teams that they they lost to so that loss in december was Stranraer they lost to Bonnie Rig, they lost to Suns in the opening day, they lost to Albion Rovers. I think, I think is that it? They only lose four or five games this season. It was certainly they only lost to Annan. I think, I think that's the only five, five games that they've lost this season. I have off the top of my head. And Excuse if I've remem- the, the noise of the paper turning. If I've remembered that, that's pretty. Five, yeah, that's, that's right. Yeah. So that's the five games they lost. So the games they lost, three of the games they lost were against inverted commas the strugglers, mm-hmm. like the teams you would maybe expect them to be. And I know the Bonnie Rig game is at the start of the season, and they were re- on a real high at that point. But like that shows there isn't a great deal between it. And like you said, there's one of the big reasons why Sterling Albion won the league is that they refuse to get beaten in games. Yeah. And I think it's going to be the same next year, that it's not going to be, you know, I don't expect to see, unless somebody rich comes in and takes over Forfa, takes over Sons, takes over Elgin or whatever. I don't. I wondered whether you were going to throw Sons in there. <laughs> you know, if there's any uh, Saudi princes listening, you might have a spare hundred million rattling about and fancy it then. Well, the, sa- the sale's not gone through, but he might be looking for, a, you know, maybe a slightly <laughs> lower key club to, yeah, to get any, involved with. any Hollywood actors who fancy it, you know, it's, uh, it's a great location to shoot a film in. Oh, but, but it can't be an actor the 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 height and fame of Reynolds surely. It doesn't have to be at Scottish League too, so it <laughs> yeah, yeah. could be some guy who's a background extra in like a James Bond film fifteen years ago. <laughs> Martin Comston about or <laughs> Yeah, get somebody roped in. But no, I don't see I don't see any team running away with the league next year. And that's a great thing from one point of view, because it's a great thing from Martin's point of view that once again should be a fairly open league and that league's there to be attacked. But it's also one where you have to be looking over your shoulder because I don't think there's going to be an awful lot between the teams whatsoever. We obviously don't know whether it will be uh, Annan or Clyde in the league next year. I would suspect that if Annan go up, that Clyde will be weaker than Annan would be. Yeah, I would agree with that. At yeah. this very early stage in the season. I have no idea. And we don't know if Duffy would stay or... No, no. And I, I don't know what Peter Head will look like. They come off the back of a horrendous season where they, they basically just signed about four different squads of players and none of them were any good. So they've got big work to do, but you would expect that Peterhead will be reasonably good, but I don't expect them to be like the Jim McAnally, Peterhead of old with Rory McAllister up front, with Greg Fleming and goals and guys like that. Which, yeah, which means, I mean, we're already previewing next season, which is maybe a podcast for, <laughs> for six weeks down the line when we know what squads look like. But it feels like already it's going to be another very close season and it feels like maybe this year was a bit of an opportunity missed for Suns, 
but next year might present the same sort of opportunity if they can work on the issues this year a wee bit more consistency particularly defensively and a bit more going forward and that's all you can do is you've got to learn from what has gone wrong this season and yeah it will be a division that will be a lot tighter there'll be a, there will be another opportunity if it, if this season is a most missed opportunity i think there will be another opportunity um there's obviously you know, not everyone's favourite plans, but you know there are plans in place. Players are here for next season. There is a system that has been played that has worked at times, but there is going to be another opportunity. You've got to learn from your mistakes. I was going to say the the old cliche: you want to try and turn some of those draws, uh, some of those defeats into draws. But some of those defeats are aye, five one six no sense. So <laughs> you, you don't want to be drawing six six, but. Well, you maybe do. do. I, I yeah, suppose you do. Yeah, yeah. Watch, but it'll get replayed on Sky Sports like every, you know, every fourteen days, like they do with that Motherwell six Hibs six game that I still watch on YouTube quite often. Yeah, they constantly put on the uh, Swindon five, Sheffield United five playoff semi second leg, like it was some like miraculous, like incredible game. But the reality is, we were three 0 down after fifteen minutes. So five one, no, yeah, five one down on aggregate. So. Like we're constantly chasing the game, we're just like, oh, what an amazing game, and it was it was awful. <laughs> it was absolutely awful. Well, I was going to say maybe we'll get something similar today because just before we kind of hang up, and this is this is going to be pointless to everyone listening, but I wonder how Stevie Farrell approaches it today. That's a big question. It, so we are. By the time you're listening to this, you'll know. Do you go out and you go right? Well, the only way Suns go through is if they score six goals in normal time. See if they concede a goal. Doesn't really matter. You, do you just go? I don't know if this will be beeped out. Do you just go balls out and just throw everything at it going forward? Or do you... I mean, Suns haven't beaten a team 6-0 since... Oh, Chris's point of view, is I was it just going to ask you. 2011 and beaten these 5-6-0? It is. And Brian Prunty scored four. When was the last time they won 6-0 at home? Uh, Elgin, 2009. <sighs> this guy, man. Derek Hartry scored this four. This guy. <laughs> I've not written down all the goal scorers because I've had limited space. Right, okay, go on then. You've got those two. The other ones I've got. I'm gonna. I'm gonna waste these. I was gonna use these during the game, but you know, you'll, I'll get the reaction from you either way. Suns have scored seven or more ten times in their history, Oof. and the last time was December the eighteenth, nineteen seventy-one, against mm-hmm. Aloha, and it was seven-one at home. That would have been the iconic 71-72 squad as well. The Kenny Wilson 40-odd goals. And the incredible thing is that would only take it to extra time. <laughs> and <laughs> uh, the last 7-0 win that would win the tie yep. was in the same year. Uh, where is it? I've got it here. I've just lost my eyes. Yeah, April 71 at home to Sterling Albion. So... What we're saying is that if Suns could simply find a way to make Kenny Wilson about 50 years younger, they might have a chance today. There's always a chance, Fraser. There's always a chance. (laughs) There's always a chance. But yes, they're going to need to rewrite history for for the second time this season as well, obviously, after the the record-breaking start. Could there be Um, a record-breaking end, Fraser Clark? It wouldn't be the end if it was record-breaking. Oh! <laughs> oh! That's where you should have picked up the mic and dropped it. I know, I felt like a great place to end. Thank you to everyone who has joined us over the course of the season. We're sorry this one is only um, a wee bit shorter. We'll hopefully have a few things planned over pre-season to keep us in uh, in shape. Wait, 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 wait. You don't want to talk about Dumbarton 1, Stranraer 1? 
No. Oh. And you, know what I, you know what I particularly don't want to talk about? Was <laughs> Dumbarton won East 5 now because John Gemmell was stood beside me just complaining about how poor a game it was. <laughs> and I feel like the big man wouldn't appreciate me um, saying that he was basically not having a very nice time watching it. And yeah, it was a, a, a really poor game of football, that one. Well, I wasn't having a... I mean, I was having a nice time at Wembley until the game started. In fact, no, until uh, the penalty. I was having a nice time. And then it kind of went downhill. And then it was just like, you know, partridge shrug, just like, well, you know, what's, yeah. yeah, what can you do? You know, <laughs> how, how was Wembley? How did it compare to here? Uh, mm, uh, surface is decent. Yeah, even. Yeah, nice. Yeah, when, when, listen, just like here. I, I, I'm just gonna, I'm, I'm gonna throw in a, a sly dig to Jack uh, here because he's not here, and I heard what he said, <laughs> and he's been to Wembley before. Yeah, I've, I've been three times, four times. I, I lost, count. lost count. Yeah. Um, yeah, um, never won. So he's been once and won one. Fine, whatever. But you know, <laughs> very good. <laughs> well done. But the, uh, the one thing that uh, I did find quite interesting, um, based on that, is any time I've been to Wembley before, so uh, been playoff final uh, in twenty twelve against Huddersfield. Uh, the Steve Simonson game. Was that yeah, one? exactly. Oh, so yeah, this is my fourth time, Jack. Um, <laughs> <laughs> if you're listening on Spotify, Jack, Chris has just pointed and looked right down the barrel of the lens of the camera. Uh, 2009 playoff final against Burnley under Owen Coyle. Yeah. And St- Stephen Thompson played, actually. You still have to have a go at Owen Coyle about that game, don't you? Yeah, I've not I've not had the chance, but... We will th- get you you said he's a pretty lovely guy, so I was just a bit like... One of the nicest men that I've ever spoken to. Because I think, I think he actually might have said at the time that they weren't expecting to. Anyway, anyway. But... Uh, <laughs> So yeah, Burnley, Huddersfield, Hull City in the FA Cup semi-final in 2014. But the point being, it's always been against the team in the playoffs where, you know, there's so much riding on it. The team, the, the the fans are so excited and it's, you know, sort of like do or die. See against Manchester City, against the set of fans that they scored and they were just like, all right, yeah, good. I was like, oh, oh this is awful. <laughs> like, I, I actually thought it would be worse when you hear like the sort of wall of noise hit you like the one when Burnley scored was particularly harrowing I, I can still feel <laughs> the hot air hitting me in the face but I actually thought that that was worse and it's not the complete like elite club like apathy is 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 way worse this is not something that I expect us to talk about in the podcast it reminds me of me going off on one about Edinburgh City and saying that my beef is not with Edinburgh City but with the people of Edinburgh which seems like a nice place to end <laughs> this podcast <laughs> Yeah, but Wembley, Wembley is nice, but I mean, you know, this is... Uh, this is where it's really at. Aye. Like, you know, you don't have to pay 15 quid for, like, some chips here. I didn't even look at the price of any of that at all. Nothing. Probably for the safest. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> anyway, as I said, we will be back at some point over the summer, we hope, assuming we get thrown new contracts. But, you know, that's still up in the air. We've got to go into the office and uh, see if Sean sits us down and assesses our performances over the course of the year and lets us know if we're uh, worthy of one. Open to negotiation. Yeah, someone else might come in as well. Oh, we could issue a come and get me plea, put in a transfer request and move to Albion Rovers. You're, you're doing your very, very best to tight yourself. I don't know about me, but yeah. Maybe Albion Rovers will get taken over by a Saudi prince and then he'll just employ the two of us to like bum them up. Sure. <laughs> anyway, this has gone off on a tangent. Is I that what you stop, want? I'd better stop talking. Maybe a Hollywood actor rather than a Saudi prince. It might be more ethical. This has gone off on a really strange tangent that I wasn't expecting, so we will stop talking before um, before it gets really, really weird, and we'll just have that conversation off uh, off mic. But thank you to everyone who's listened. Thank you to everyone who said nice things about us this year. Yeah, I would just like to really echo that. Um, we've had a few people come up to us and just 
say how much they appreciate the work we, that we've done in the commentary and just the podcast and stuff. And honestly, it's uh, it's an absolute pleasure. I love doing it, and uh, yeah, it means it means a lot. It really o- does. Only club you've wanted to podcast for and all that. Yeah, yeah. Um, thank you to Sean for all the work he does. He'll, he'll probably edit this bit out, but thank you to Sean for all the work he does getting us up and running. Because literally, without him, we would not be here. Like there would be none of this. We don't know how it's worked, and he just you know what he pitched it to me, Clifton Hill. <laughs> good things always happen at Clifton Hill he asked me about it at Clifton Hill uh, back in August and we got it off and running obviously uh, we hope that you don't mind us rambling on uh, a wee bit more personally this time probably better than talking about the football anyway um, yeah. and thank you to all the guests as well they've uh, they've yeah. made it what it is as well So. and if there's anyone you want to see us get on or if you're listening and you want to come on give us a shout because we're always happy to have people on Owen Coyle Owen Coyle now you can be our number one target over the summer I'm pretty sure that Owen Coyle would do it if it didn't clash with the Queen's match day so Owen if you are listening uh, you've got my number give me a shout come on in thank you to everyone else for listening unless you're Owen Coyle in which case give us a shout thank you very much